Welcome to the Rocksteady Way podcast, hosted by music education pioneer and author, Mark Robinson, and co-host, music teaching guru, Rachel Hawker. From the classroom to the stage, the Rocksteady Way. Welcome to the first ever Rocksteady Way podcast, where we'll be talking about what makes a great music education in the 2020s and beyond. We'll be covering a variety of topics, from what makes a good music teacher, the pros and cons of one-to-one and group lessons, and the big controversial one, is learning to read music still important in this modern day and age? Before we get started, Rachel, we should probably introduce ourselves and Rocksteady for any listeners who haven't come across us before. Absolutely. So I guess we should start with Rocksteady, um, which was a company that I founded 13 years ago. And in a nutshell, we teach children in primary and secondary schools how to play in bands. But this isn't a separate thing from learning to play an instrument. They learn to play their instruments through learning to play in bands rather than having separate instrumental lessons and then uh, one day playing in a band when they've got a certain level of technique together. They actually do it from day one. Um, And the analogy that I would use is it's a bit like playing football. You don't learn to kick a ball for... 10 years and then when you finally got enough skill you're allowed to play on a team and learn about that you just start by having a kick around with other people and learning the game that way and then in my case I didn't get very good at football but a lot of people (laughs) learn to play football quite effectively that way I still know the rules just just about Um, it turns out that it's the same with music if you learn to play with other people playing instruments at the same time you actually learn your own instrument a lot more effectively and can have a lot more fun in the process so I was experimenting with uh, different ways of getting younger children specifically uh, into music education and getting them to stick at it and enjoy it and stumbled across this method through lunchtime clubs and then uh, we've now grown it so we're teaching over 30,000 children every week how to do this. We have the Rocksteady Way which is a methodology um, for teaching in this style and we give quarter of a million musical experiences to children every single year um, and there's certainly no signs of slowing down at the moment um, <laughs> so Rachel you've got a really important role um, within this organization so why don't you tell us a bit about the head of academy role and what that involves yeah so I suppose that method that you're talking about Mark the rock steady way it's kind of my job to make sure that our teachers, whether they're in Sunderland or Plymouth, that they understand why we came about this method and how to translate that in a way that enables children to to love their music lessons, get better and and build confidence and, and create an environment where they can really thrive. And I suppose that's that's my job. So we've got over 150 teachers now. So making sure that every classroom feels the same, even if the teacher's style is slightly different, the Rocksteady method is is there and the children are getting that same experience that they would get if they had you or I teaching them. Wow, so over 100 uh, teachers you're responsible for training. You must be a busy person. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit busy, Mark. Excellent. So let's get on to today's topic then, um, which is really at the heart of Rocksteady and everything we do, which is about making music lessons fun. Yeah. I think let's start this off a, a little bit back to front. What happens when children don't enjoy their music lessons? 
Well, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but I can't count the amount of adults I've spoken to who've said something along the lines of, oh, I really wish I'd persevered with my piano lessons or oh, I wish I'd never given up the guitar. And then when you dig into, well, why did you give up? Oh, I hated my lessons. I didn't enjoy it at all. And that's a clear, to me, reason that people don't end up pursuing music because they haven't had the experience that potentially you and I have had to, or haven't had the want to pursue beyond that bit that gets a bit tricky. So I think really that says an awful lot, the fact that people don't continue if they don't enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the crux of it really, isn't it? And I think the line that I kept hearing early on in Rocksteady days from parents was if their child was doing really well, they'd say, I don't know where she gets it from because I'm not musical and none of yeah. us are musical. And then you dig a little bit and it, it turns out they tried very early on. Perhaps a music teacher even told them that they weren't very good at it um, or something like that. And uh, and then that's just sort of been integrated into how they think about themselves and music. And it's actually been a knock back on their confidence rather than a building on their confidence, which we feel quite strongly as, as music lessons should do, yeah, shouldn't they? absolutely. I mean, I, I as a child was some somebody who got their first guitar really young and wanted to learn music straight away. And I remember choosing my high school with my parents because they had this great music programme. And actually, I ended up really not enjoying music at school. In fact, I was made to feel like because I couldn't read music and wasn't trained in a classical way, I couldn't do my music GCSE. And I ended up doing it outside of school privately. I did it sort of within a year, a condensed course privately. And that says a lot to put off a child who's had a guitar since they were eight and loved writing songs and making up rubbish basically since they yeah. were young I'm sure it wasn't rubbish Rachel <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know concertos at eight I don't know yeah. but you know for somebody who was that invested in music and wanted to pursue it I, I kind of found a way around it but f- think about all those children who don't manage to find a way around it or don't quite have that confidence to think actually I think I am quite good at this I think I enjoy it I want to go and do it anyway um, you know for me not to pursue music in school you know, when you pick in your GCSEs you should be thinking about what do I love what do I want to pursue as a career what am I good at what do I feel confident about and music was that thing for me but school made me feel like I wasn't any of those things I was made to feel like I couldn't be in the choir because I couldn't sight sing I couldn't uh, you know do my music GCSE because I couldn't play classical guitar or, or, or piano and um, you know that could have had a devastating effect on my confidence I could have never played music again and the whole world would have lost out uh, <laughs> you know given what an impact you have in, in music and music education now so what was the the key difference between the uh, private lessons you were having and the uh, lessons you were having at school for the GCSE I think the the teacher spent a lot of, well, obviously it was sort of individual. The teacher spent a lot of time understanding what I did know, where my gaps were, how they could get me through the GCSE, because there were challenges not knowing a lot of theory, not being able to read music. You know, there are elements of a music GCSE that require that. But he took the time to get to know the bits that I was good at. And, oh, why don't you do an improvisation section here instead of, um, you know, a sight reading test, you could choose to do improvisation. You could submit a composition instead of, um, you know, a, a kind of ensemble piece. There were lots of ways around things and taking the time to get to know what I could do and help me fill in the gaps in a kind of patient and understanding way, you know, saying, you can do this, Rachel, felt so different to the experience that I'd had, you know, in my high school. That's um, really good to hear. So building off your strengths and actually believing in you and and simply telling you that this was something you could do rather than you couldn't do made quite a big difference to 
how much fun you were having doing it and I imagine how successful you were with the GCSE yeah when it when it came to it and it actually got me excited about the possibility of learning to read music in the future which before it had kind of become this thing that was like my kryptonite oh I can't do that that that, I'm weak at that I have to avoid that so when I went to college I taught myself keyboard and learned to read music on a new instrument to kind of get it all in a new place but that that inspired me to to take that road when I was ready you know I certainly wasn't ready at that point absolutely and um, I think just to underline it it everybody's strengths and weaknesses are going to be different. For one child, it could be reading music that's the challenge. Um, For another child, it could be figuring out what the intervals are uh, on a guitar. For another um, person, it could be that they've got all of the music theory down really easily, but they struggle with playing live or, or something like that. It doesn't matter what it is, but I think it is quite important to understand the strengths and the weaknesses and also what the children are motivated by what your students are motivated by is is really important isn't it and I think that that can be one of the the key things that could contribute to children not enjoying music lessons if you have this kind of prescriptive way of doing it where you say you must learn music like this because uh, we're all different and um, not not every child is going to fit every single uh, way of teaching are they no, I mean, let's think about the child who wants to be the next Jimi Hendrix and, and goes to a guitar teacher and they start learning very simple classical guitar, which for one child might be exactly what they want to do. But this particular child has picked up the guitar because they want to be Jimi Hendrix. They want to be learning chords and things that sound like something they've heard before. E7 sharp nine. <laughs> E7 sharp Here nine, that, that, that magic yeah. chord. I mean, even when I think about children in, within Rocksteady who potentially have lessons outside as well, they might be able to play these amazing things on the piano, but what they want to play to their friends is, you know, Baby Shark, the melody of yep. something that other people recognise. It's about that connection. And if you're not getting that connection from the music you're learning, you're not going to be as engaged. Yeah, so I think it's, it's fair to say that for music lessons to be fun, um, they have to reflect something in why the student wanted to learn music in the first place. So if they wanted to learn music, you know, even at a deep kind of uh, unconscious level, they wanted to play music to impress their friends or they wanted uh, to play it because they'd heard a tune that they loved and it made them dance and so they wanted to be able to replicate it or something like that. And then they go into their music lessons and their music lessons don't have anything to do with that. Um, you, You can definitely see why it wouldn't seem like fun. Absolutely. I mean, when you sent me the the title for this podcast, you know, why should music be fun? I kind of thought, I presume that you're looking for an answer longer than, because it is fun. Music (laughs) is fun. That wouldn't be a very long podcast, but it is fun. Why shouldn't learning music be fun? Definitely done right music. Learning music is fun, isn't it? And for me, when I was a child, uh, I learned to play violin uh, for quite a few years. And I went through sort of peaks and troughs with it, but I always found the exam time really, really stressful and it wasn't fun for me personally. Uh, I found playing in orchestras a little bit more fun, Um, but I I stopped playing violin at the age of 11 and immediately picked up a guitar and started playing in bands. And then suddenly I was motivated to practice every hour of every day because I wanted to write songs. I wanted to... uh, be able to play different songs in the band and perform them live uh, to people and I, so I probably made more progress in the guitar in one month than I had on the violin in five years just because of where my motivations were at 
And yeah. we see it play out in Rocksteady, don't we, time and time again with um, different students. If we figure out what it is they're motivated by, it can be fun. Um, if we don't, then, you know, then then it's not so fun for them. So it's part of our job as teachers to figure out what that is. Yeah, and learning an instrument is difficult. There are barriers you hit, there are bumps in the road. And if you don't have somebody there supporting you and making it feel like you can see what's coming next after you get over that bump and how much fun it's going to be when you can do that next thing it's quite easy to give up and certainly with my own guitar playing and 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 learning certainly as an adult there's been little walls that you hit like oh can I (laughs) can I push myself beyond that and it's part of our job as music educators to be the people who make that bridge feel a little bit more achievable to feel a little bit more fun you know yeah often breaking it down into smaller steps or just finding a new way to approach it that's um, going to show the student what's what's coming up just over the horizon. Um, but the, that is actually another reason why music lessons can not be fun is if the material is just too challenging yeah. uh, for the child. And you know, when we come back to um, that topic of reading music, I mean, if you break it down, it's a, a grid system that you've got to react to in real time that also combines, you know, the alphabet as well, but the alphabet in an abstract form because it's relating yeah. to, to different sounds and things like that. H-G. There's yeah, no H. there's no H. <laughs> and, and then if you, you know, put that in front of a lot of, um, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds, that's a complicated thing to, to get past. And it, and it can feel uh, like a bit of a brick wall, I think. So I think making sure and... Uh, Please, um, I'm I'm not picking on reading music. There's lots of other things like yeah. playing chords on the guitar straight away. Fine for a 12-year-old, fine for uh, an adult, but not fine for a young child who doesn't have the finger strength or coordination to, to get around the guitar in that way. Yeah, if you think about an A chord, once you've learned an A chord, if you're not able to navigate to the next chord, maybe a D or an E, you're sort of stuck. (laughs) What you can play is an A, anything that just stays an A, you're fine. But anything that changes is much more difficult. Whereas if you can teach people patterns to move around the guitar in a simpler way, they could start navigating around songs and things that they're familiar with, rather than being stuck in that, I know this one thing, but I don't know how to get from this thing to another. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the other... uh, contributor to the the fun factor is just the energy in the room as well and how is uh, your teacher just making this whole thing feel you know if you're a student is it something you look forward to going to each week or does it just feel like a bit of a a drag and if, if you asked um you know a child about this they wouldn't be able to put their finger on why but at Rocksteady, because uh, we teach a lot of children, it's something we spend a great deal of time thinking about and making sure we get right, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's the difference between understanding and engaging with something and not <laughs> really. If you're not enjoying something, you're not really going to listen as attentively. You're not going to be as mo- emotionally connected. And we know that those things, that emotional connection is a big part of how people recall information and remember things. So it's hugely important to take us away from music for a minute. I remember with science, I, I took triple science for GCSE and I thought I loved chemistry and hated physics. Yeah. And it was all about the teacher, to be honest, because when I got to GCSE, 
they totally reversed because the lessons in physics were really exciting and engaging because the teacher made it that way even though it was a subject I found much more difficult to relate to whereas chemistry should have been more fun for me and more related to, to what I wanted to kind of understand and take away but it just wasn't fun and I didn't end up getting as good a grade in that as I did in the thing I struggled with previously so there's a lot to be said about the energy in the room and the way that actually that transfers the information you're trying to get across yeah and to pick up on what you said about there being an emotional connection I think quite often when we're thinking about teaching if we think about it in quite a dry way sometimes don't we like our job is to transfer information and for somebody to remember that information and that all happens you you would think in the brain certainly when you're thinking about it um, in the abstract but when you go into a room and try and teach someone something you quickly realize if you don't make that emotional connection nothing really lands or sticks as effectively does it no it's a big part of why storytelling is so effective in anything that, that you do really trying to create an emotion and a story behind something helps us remember we remember stories that our friends tell us in bars and we remember it as if it was our own story because it resonated it, it had a kind of narrative and we felt something about it and if you can make your lessons have a, an emotional connection somehow even if it's relating to how the kids might feel when they're up on stage playing that song or something that you felt that that feeling is is hugely important for helping you know get that bit of the brain working all those signals sending to each other from from that emotion yeah and the children certainly remember things more readily that have been taught in a story don't they than otherwise like I remember when I was trying to help children through being okay with making mistakes I I would always tell them a story about a recent gig how many mistakes I've made I'd try and pick up on my worst clangers like when the strap <laughs> broke on my guitar and it it fell on my Sweet. feet and all of that sort of thing and 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 you talk about those things and the children really remember them they'll they'll bring them up a, you know, a year and a half later Absolutely. and uh, did I tell you that but <laughs> you did and it stuck with them and yeah I mean I yeah. cannot spell rhythm I can't spell it unless okay. I say rhythm has your two hips moving and then I remember how to spell it (laughs) Uh, it's little simple things like that if you can create a bit of fun even in the most mundane subject or a a difficult thing to approach if you can add a little bit of fun a little bit of uh, something make something a little bit more memorable it has a big impact definitely and I think um, one of the other things that I've seen happen quite a few times and this happened to me as a, a child at times as well is when uh, children aren't enjoying music lessons, you see quite a common pattern uh, emerge, which is there gets a lot more is talked about practice, how important it is to practice at home. Now, I'm not saying for a minute that you shouldn't be practicing at home, but uh, what happens is the children typically aren't picking up their instrument at home. Yeah. They come to the next lesson having not done it. And this is a, a sign for teachers as well when you keep reteaching the same thing each week. There's no practice. The next, then the next thing happens, which is uh, the teacher goes to the parents, say they really must practice, and yeah. you get homework diaries that have to be signed and things like that. And then, if you're a parent, you find yourself telling your child quite a lot. It's really important that you do ten minutes of practice, etc. And that's all kind of uh, symptomatic of child not being motivated to play whatever the material is, yeah. and which is probably symptomatic of them not 
enjoying it actually I mean what, what do you think about that Rachel absolutely for me that's the equivalent of when you're teaching full class music which is something I did for many years suddenly lots of people need the toilet you think okay I've been whibbering on for too long on this one particular thing because ultimately the children are finding something to do with their boredoms like, I need the toilet or I need to do this and, and ultimately it's looking out for those signs okay what I'm doing here isn't working and rather than doing the same saying the same things what can I do to help transfer this I find it with working with adults now as well you can say the same thing to five different people and they take it in totally different ways or or they receive it or understand it or engage with it in totally different ways so rather than just trying the same thing over and over again how can I change that what I'm saying how can I help this connect yeah and I think that comes down to listening very carefully to the person you're trying to teach doesn't it yeah or the person you're trying to help whether that's an adult or a child Um, or anyone else I remember we did uh, some work at a special school uh, not long ago and we were uh, getting some results with one of the children he was playing drums for 20 minutes they hadn't had him engaged in an activity for more than two minutes for a very long time etc and they said how are you doing it and what we actually had done is uh, the child came in talking about what they were interested in immediately they were talking about the fact that they were going to be seven the, the, oh. for the following day and they're really excited about that and uh, so it just started with well pick an instrument and see if you can play seven notes on it yeah. we'll see if you can play it seven times and then we saw we, we built the whole lesson just around that concept of them being seven because that's what was interesting that's what was motivating that's to them big in their life right what now. rhymed with seven that's what we built the <laughs> lyrics off of we did we did all of those things and um, that's obviously Uh, quite a clear example of doing that but as teachers we can do that in lots of different ways can't we we can listen to what what are our students telling us um, and then trying to build off of that in our teaching instead of going right I've got the lesson plan I've got what I'm going to do and you will learn this absolutely I'm thinking back to my time as a music teacher in lots of different schools now and in reality I could have replicated my lesson I was teaching the same lesson, I don't know, about 15 times a week. But to make it relate to that class, to make it relate to those children, that year group, I was changing it and making a lot more work for myself in doing that. But ultimately getting better results. The kids were learning a lot more. They were enjoying it. They felt like it was for them and their their topic or their, you know, we were basically learning chords in in, in, in group guitar lessons. Um, I was teaching full class guitar yep. and the children were learning chords at this particular point. So one one class was studying the Beatles, so we learned D, G and A for Twist and Shout, and another class were studying um, another band, and we did, I think it was Rolling Stones, we did a little bit of Paint It Black, so we learned different chords, and suddenly creating it to, to what they were actually learning at that point, they felt much more engaged with it because it was related to what's important in their life, in their learning right now. Yeah, no, that's great, and... I I used to teach full class lessons as well and for would be teaching exactly the same material but for some classes I would set it up like a game where I put them into groups and they would get points and that sort of thing for other classes I'd set it up as a more of a creative process where they had to write something others it was all about some putting on some sort of show or performance and and some it was a a mixture of all of those different things it it totally depends which which children you've got in front of you and and you've really got to think about what's the the best blend to get the best out of uh, this individual this group and 
picking up on what you were saying there, it's really important to be able to change that on the fly because we're all humans. We're not static things. Something could have happened during the week and something changes for one child in the class and suddenly things change for lots of children in the class. Like it's a really dynamic situation you've got to be prepared to respond to. Absolutely. I I personally think that's one of the most important aspects of being a teacher, being able to adapt, being flexible in your approach, not getting frustrated when the thing that you you found this great way of explaining a certain concept to your children and one class get it. You're like, wow, I've cracked it. This is how I teach this. The next class just don't get it. You need to be able to not let that get you down and, and find a new way of explaining it and just keep trying different things it's hugely important to be able to adapt and music is like that if, if you think about being in a band anyone who's played in a function band um yep. if you get a request and you think well it's a four chord song i'm sure we can busk around that you have to be able to adapt to what the audience are. if they're on the dance floor maybe you play an extra long solo if they're not really enjoying it you cut it if short. you want to get them off the dance floor you play an extra long solo yeah exactly. or is that just my Bass solo that normally is yeah <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> but it's all about being adaptable and being flexible and, and thinking about the child rather than about yourself and as teachers we are very much Uh, we're very empathetic we are thinking about the children all the time but there are elements of teaching sometimes that become a bit oh this is what I normally do so why is it not working for that child and rather than thinking okay why isn't it working for that child is how can I make it work for that child just flipping that question round can have a massive impact on the way the child responds couldn't agree more so we've kind of been talking around the subject of uh, what happens when music lessons aren't fun but What do music lessons look like when they are fun and what happens for the children? (laughs) I'm going to take you back to my first ever guitar students here, Mark, and they were called Jake and James and they were two very mischievous eight-year-olds that uh, came along to me as a 16-year-old. They just sound mischievous, They do, Jake and James. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, Jake and James, if you're listening. Um, But they came to me as eight-year-olds and um, I was a 16-year-old, so really I wasn't technically a very good guitar player. I was a half-decent rhythm guitar at that point, but... Ultimately, the children were starting from the very bottom and kind of just needed to know the basics. And they just really enjoyed their lessons with me. And in fact, I taught them for 10 years. And if you think about that, I taught them from age eight to age 18. By the time they were 18, they were fantastic guitarists. They overtook me by a mile, but they still wanted their weekly lesson. And I think it was about four years into this, I was thinking, actually, they don't necessarily need me anymore. But we carried on for another four years and they just came is I started to realize that they were coming because they enjoyed the lesson and they enjoyed being together and connecting with the music and it was sort of at the point where I was learning the song that they wanted to learn the day before their lesson so that I could actually teach it to them and by the end of the lesson they were playing it far better than me but they still wanted those lessons so really they never had any desire to become a professional musician neither of them you know how you teach some children and you know that that's what they want to do that was certainly my experience in music I wanted to do it they were doing the lessons because they loved doing the lessons and they loved learning the guitar and they sort of went off to uni and that's when they finally ended their guitar lessons with me when they went off to uni in different places but they sort of play open mic type guitar and they'll get up and play guitar for somebody else if they want to sing a song that kind of level and never really wanting to push it beyond that but to know that they carried on because 
you know, essentially the lessons were fun. They weren't learning yeah. an awful lot towards the end. I think that that says a lot. Well, yeah, you say they weren't learning an awful lot, but they might not have been learning an awful lot of new skill on the guitar, for example. Yeah. But there's a lot of other things that happen in lessons that have value. So, Absolutely. for example, through going through that with your yourself for those extra years, they might have uh, picked up things about how to teach yeah. another person. Yeah, I mean, we used to do things to make these new techniques fun and, and to kind of blend techniques. For example, we might learn Blackbird, the finger-picking pattern for Blackbird, and then we would say, okay, what would this sound like if we played it in a reggae style? And we'd kind of incorporate some of the more, um, you know, muted strings. And I, I suppose what they were really learning was that kind of beauty of being creative with music. And perhaps that's what... I helped them with more towards the later end is how to be creative with music, how to jam, how to... Interact with others with interact music. Interact with yeah. others with music. And I think half the time they, I was just the singer in their little band. <laughs> and okay, that, that's yeah. kind of how they saw it. But ultimately they they both kind of carried on through that wall. I think when they, they got to about 10, both of them hit their mischievous, this, their yeah, mischievous can... stage. It's that age, yeah. isn't it? And um, they definitely hit that wall in, do I want to carry on with guitar? And that was sort of when I asked them the question, what do you... What do you want to learn what, what, what do you like listening to and yeah. we ended up learning a song a red hot chili peppers song that yeah. jake wanted to learn which and one then, was it do you remember uh i can't remember off the top of my head i think it might have been under the bridge it's got i've that taught nice so many red hot chili peppers songs i in know the canon, yeah. they they they, they yeah. love them don't they um and and you know james was really into 70s so i think we ended up learning a james taylor song oh, cool. um but they they both had such different influences that managing to incorporate those at quite an early stage i think it kept them hooked on when yeah. things got a little bit harder on a guitar when we were moving to bar chords and and things that were a little bit trickier yeah definitely and I think that's a, a just one of the key things about when uh, people are enjoying their music lessons they want to continue yeah and if they want to continue then they will learn new things yeah. whether that's new songs to add to their repertoire to bed in what they already know whether that's new skills or anything else in between and to to pick up on you know just learning it the night before in very very early rocksteady lessons when it was still an experimental lunchtime club i used to show up we used to get to the instruments and say to the children what do you want to learn and they'd tell me the name of a song so i'd hope that spotify would work <laughs> with the 3g signal that we had back then we'd listen to it and they would watch me work it out live and we would learn it together yeah. We would, I was part of that learning experience. I wasn't necessarily a teacher in the traditional sense of I will teach you this now. It's like we're going to figure this out together. And it worked wonderfully. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of value in simply being human with it, I suppose, and, and going on the journey with them. Coaching element, I suppose, yeah. it helps give them that little bit of independence. It helps give them a little bit of ownership and really connect with what they're doing. And learning alongside a grown-up can be hugely enthralling for children oh I'm learning what the what the teacher's learning and and that that yeah that that kind of magic in their eyes is, is everything yeah I'm actually I'm doing it with my three-year-old daughter a lot at the moment because she's really into lego and I really struggle to follow instructions so we're both learning together how to follow <laughs> these instructions and how to build this um, but it's good fun you know because she she gets to see how I overcome some of the obstacles and it gives her confidence that actually she can do that too it's not like I'm somebody who's figured all this out and I'm now imparting it to her, uh, still on the journey and, and we're doing it together, which, yeah. um, you know, c helps keep it fun for both of us. 
actually. Absolutely. You know, that, that that's a massive connection piece, isn't it? And being with others and learning together is a big part of what we do at Rocksteady. You know, the children feel that positive peer pressure and it, and it enables them to revel in the challenge and, and enjoy that challenge. Oh, I, I couldn't do that last week, but I can do it this week. And that's a huge feeling to overcome something It's amazing, like that. isn't it? And it's transferable as well. Yeah. So if you're in a stage in life, as I'm sure all of us have been, where you're struggling with lots of things, if you find something that you do succeed at, it changes something in your brain. And so if you've succeeded at overcoming some hurdles in music, you might then be able to overcome hurdles, you know, immediately if you're a child in maths or science or, or whatever else you're doing. But you know, further down uh, the road, if you're looking at a career change or you're looking at um, yeah. applying for a new job in a different company, a new role or something like that, if you've learned something new before and it's been a great experience, it just it adds to that side of you and you're probably more likely to be able to tackle it again in the future yeah we live in quite a changing world as well really when you think about it the age of youtube where if you don't know how to do something you can very quickly look up how to do something on youtube and it's self-serving you can learn something quite quickly so i suppose as music teachers and music educators we're competing a little bit with that mindset of oh i just learn it when i want to learn it and i'll learn the way i want to learn and if we're too static and rigid in the way that we want to present music and teach music we're never going to keep up with that changing technology and evolving music industry, as it were. So if a, if a child can go and learn how to play Bohemian Rhapsody introduction on the keyboard from watching a YouTube video, and yet you say, oh, no, we couldn't possibly learn that in, in a lesson, they're going to go and watch it on YouTube. Whereas if you can find a way to incorporate, you know what, that's quite tricky to start with, but let's learn a little bit of it and then we'll, we'll move into a different section or however you want to do that finding a way to incorporate their ideas and what they want to do and how they want to learn has to be something we consider as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Because as teachers, we're, we're no longer the gatekeepers to what children can or can't no. learn. YouTube exists. Yep. It will teach you how to do absolutely anything. Yep, and I learned how to pump up my tyres on YouTube, you know. Did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Uh, much later in life than I care to uh, admit really Mark much later in life yeah (laughs) I I was on it wasn't YouTube it was just Google trying to figure out what pressure my tyres should be at because it's been really cold here recently (laughs) Um, so my car's been shouting at me about that so anyway off topic I would say but um, in terms of what contributes to children enjoying music lessons we've touched on it uh, a little bit already but I think one of the key points is that it's relevant material to them so if they were really excited to play music because they've heard a certain song on the radio and they want to be able to play that, the quicker you can get into that, the better, in my view. Um, yeah. I, I think it massively helps with the, the motivation. And then if you show them that they can play, make the sound that they wanted to make, whether that's singing or, or playing an instrument or something like it, it just builds their confidence and they want to come back the next session and the next session. And then it's your job as a teacher to craft a well-rounded curriculum because it's it's not like just following that what do you want to do every week is, is going to get you where you want to go necessarily. But yeah. starting from that point, from that seed of what inspired them in the first place and nurturing that through relevant material I think is very important. Yeah, and I suppose with, with pop and rock music we are a little bit limited when we're especially... with us working with primary children sometimes they want to learn something that we know isn't quite appropriate so the way I found to 
to kind of deviate from what they want to learn is to look into the artists that they want to learn what were they inspired by and then going back until you find something that is appropriate but you're still relating it to that thing that they've told you they want to learn they're trying to build a bit of a relationship there with you and if you just say oh we can't do that with no other thought behind it it's like you know what you know who Stormzy's really influenced by he listened to a lot of this Aretha Franklin stuff and she listened to a lot of this you can relate it back and find something that is appropriate and the right kind of musical level for them yeah because their self-confidence is quite vulnerable at that stage actually when they say I really like this yeah if they're met with any manner of no um then it doesn't do do much good for your relationship with your student or for the student themselves and their feelings about music and and their tastes and stuff if it's not appropriate like you said you can navigate away from it a little bit and connect it to other things but it's still coming from what they're interested in and sometimes you have to manage this in a group situation don't you where every child is actually motivated by something different and I remember at one point had to do a, a Norwegian metal version of Shine Bright Like a Diamond by Rihanna. <laughs> I just would have liked to, to have heard that. It, yeah, it was great. It's running in my head right <laughs> yeah. now. But we, we sort of had a pop verse uh, so that the singer who really wanted to sing this song could do it. And then the rest of the band could come in really heavy in the chorus and do growling Shine Bright Like a Diamond. These kids were nine years old, so it was quite a sight. Nice. But, um, but it was really cool. So you, you can always find a way. And that, again, teaches children about how to work out differences and how things like that. How to compromise. How to compromise and how to still create something that they can all be proud of, which these are all really valuable life lessons. Absolutely. As well. So I think another thing that's really important um, for lessons being fun in a sustainable way is children actually need to make progress every single lesson or close to every single lesson. And more than that, they need to feel and know themselves that they've made progress. And this is a really interesting one because if you ask uh, a child why they might give up music, they'll never say, it's because I'm not making progress. They'll just go, I don't know, I'm not not enjoying it. But it's, it's something we've noted over the... You know, I mean, I've been teaching now for 20 years, uh, but through Rocksteady, I'm doing this for 13 years now. We've noted if the children aren't making progress, they start to give up. Yeah. Even if they don't know what they're learning, I think you can feel when you're not learning. If you feel like you, you're you not getting any further, your part doesn't seem to be getting any harder, you're learning a different song, but it's the same level of challenge for you. You can definitely feel it even if you don't know you can at that kind of age. There's There's something there where you're not feeling as engaged, you're not feeling as entertained by it. So it's hugely important to think about, okay, how can just the smallest thing to to give them something new right you're going to play the same notes but I want you to play this slightly different rhythm that can have a huge impact on how they feel about what they're playing or what they're learning because the new rhythm is uh, something different isn't it yeah and that's something that they've got to engage their their brain on and can seem exciting because it's new Um, I think you know as as humans generally a a lot of us are are seeking out new things uh, all the time so you you see it don't you with really young children they won't articulate it necessarily but you just see physical cues like a slump in the shoulders like a kind of a little bit of a sigh yeah it's like oh we're doing this again and you know as a teacher you might be trying to balance a million different things and you've got lots of students and you're, you're trying to take care of all their needs but it's really worth 
paying attention to those little signs and thinking, ah, are they ready for something new? And then choosing the appropriate level of what's new for that that child or that student. Because some people make really big jumps and they'll be ready for something completely new, new rhythm, new technique, yeah. introduction to new chords and new concept and new rhythm, fine. But like you said, for other children, it can be simply changing from doing whole notes to doing crotchets or something like that could yeah. be a really great change for them for the next two to three weeks while they bed it in and then Absolutely. you choose something else and that's the stepping stone for the next thing that they learn uh, you know different children will respond differently to different things but finding those mini challenges mini tweaks even just the way you phrase something I used to when I was running choirs if I had a child who was you know knew the whole song had been practicing it and yet the rest of the choir weren't quite there uh, I'd make them the posture monitor so that they had to look out for everyone else and see how they were standing and I'm suddenly really self-conscious <laughs> of my posture I know Rachel's been the posture monitor you go sit up straight <laughs> yeah you're, don't worry you'll get a sticker um, <laughs> for your posture but just that slight challenge for them for them mentally even if it's not a physical thing that they're doing help them re-engage with what they're supposed to be doing and I think as as a teacher especially when you're working in a in a large group or a full class situation that balancing the needs of everyone is really difficult but those tiny little things I'm sure you know a lot of teachers out there are doing anyway without potentially even knowing it just becoming more aware of, of that and looking out to your class and thinking is that child learning something right now has that yeah. child learned something today can really help you with your with your teaching and helping the children progress just simply asking yourself that question is that children learning something new um because you'll know yeah. you know you can just look around your group or if you're teaching one-to-one you, you can just look at you know, how they're feeling about it and uh and you'll know and um i wouldn't be i wouldn't be afraid either of asking children how they're finding it yeah I'd say are you enjoying yourself and if we get a no just ask why you might learn some interesting Absolutely. it puts you as a teacher in a bit more of a vulnerable um situation but again you're you're getting back to a more human connection and we've we've always found that to be very effective in teaching yeah and children will be very honest <laughs> they will be especially if they're younger yeah you'll know if they're not you'll know and they will tell you yeah and, and it's your job to listen yeah, absolutely. So when you tie those two things together, making the music lessons relevant to what they're interested in and they're making progress each session, I think you're you're definitely halfway there. And the other half is, like we talked about earlier, just making sure the energy in the room is fun, supportive. You're being encouraged that you can do things. Yeah. You're being told when you've done something well. Even if it's not anything directly related to the music, if you're paying attention, it's well done for paying attention and focusing, well done for trying really hard with that, well done for... If you've got that sort of environment, that really helps as well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, at Rocksteady, we quite often get children or, or parents speaking to us about their child and it's, oh, my child never really enjoyed anything other than sport. They were never good at anything other than sport until they did Rocksteady and, and then they, they suddenly found that they were good at it and creating an environment where, where a child can learn and, and get better at something that's fun and, and where making mistakes together is kind of part of the fun that that's hugely yeah. important um, and, and ultimately contributes to that I, you don't always have to be totally high energy uh, I'm quite a high energy type teacher but it doesn't have to be that way you can you know find peaks and troughs in your lessons and create space for, for those more reflective learning type moments but if you are aware of the energy in the room and, and the, the element of fun it can really transform the way you teach. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's being aware 
of it is the key thing not necessarily being high energy or low energy I mean I actually thought as a teacher I was really high energy until I saw a video of myself teach (laughs) and then I thought wow actually you know I I hardly move and uh, one of our teachers who I was training at the time described it as um I only say what needs to be said and um and everything is is very precise and on point but I was still very conscious about are the children having fun and I think in my probably slightly more introverted style I would draw that out of them yeah instead of going and putting the energy in myself if I had to I I would do that yeah but um naturally speaking it's more about managing what naturally excites the children is the most important thing and then injecting it yourself if if you need to at times yeah would you agree with that yeah absolutely was it different styles for different teachers (laughs) I I do believe that there's a there's a lot of differences in styles and what the common thread is is watching and reading the room you know reading the energy in the room what what children you know you might get a group of bless their hearts spacey five-year-olds that that come in and are very low energy they're not quite sure what to expect they might be a bit nervous you might need to be that sparky person getting them ready and getting them going um or you might get a group that come in who are bouncing off the walls after break time and you have to be right guys this is what we're going to do uh you know one of my favorite tricks is oh i'm going to tell you a secret are you listening and suddenly everyone's (laughs) ready to (laughs) secret. secret is there is no secret. And then, and then you just launch into the lesson. They, they feel full for it every time. Um, but ultimately, it's about reading reading the children and, and getting to know the children that you're working with. And as teachers, you will naturally be doing that. And just having that slightly more reflective lens on every single lesson. Um, yeah. Zooming out and seeing the lesson as if it's not you teaching it can can be massive and you'll start to understand oh why did that lesson not quite go and often it's our own energy that's had a big impact on that I know that if I'm a bit tired if I'm not feeling great I could be running a very similar lesson to one I did yesterday but it doesn't quite land the same way I think what's different and it might be that it's the children's energy or quite often it's your own energy and your approach to the lesson has changed slightly and a combination of the two you know and I I think we're teaching one of the things that makes it such a great job is you never arrive do you you, you never no. go I've got this down now it's perfect forever and I know exactly what I'm doing when I go in today because yeah. it's a real dynamic uh, situation and uh, a, a real kind of exchange between human beings young human beings and yourself or, or whoever and you're always learning from it aren't you yeah, yeah exactly as long as they're learning and you're learning that that's all you can ask for really Cool. So I think we should wrap it up there. So we've talked about some of the things um, that could be a blocker um, for children enjoying their lessons. You know, if it doesn't reflect what they wanted to play in the first place, if it's too challenging and they're not making progress because it's too challenging, or you know, if the energy in the room isn't right, we'll probably see children first become demotivated and we'll have to try and motivate them in different ways by going, you must practice five minutes a day and this is what life is all about, hard work and you'll reap the benefits when you're old and then eventually they'll just give up. Anyway, that's one one route we can we can go down. But, you know, if we're much more conscious about what is it that motivates them in the first place, what excites them, why do they want to do music lessons, if we make sure... We're totally on top of them making progress mm. each session. And we're just really managing our own energy and their energy to make sure everyone's having fun. 
then we should see them make progress. We should see them build confidence that they can uh, learn new skills and wanting to continue and getting a lot out of it. Absolutely. Help them enjoy learning and the journey that comes with it. Yeah. So all of this is very easy to talk about, but none of this is really that easy to achieve day in, day out, is it? Oh, no. I mean, we, we have to work very hard at it. And what we're going to be covering over this series of the podcast, some of the core ingredients about what makes music lessons fun and how to keep it fun. And in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the most important ingredient of all, which is the teacher themselves. We'll look at some of the core qualities of a, a great music teacher and uh, what it is they, they do on a day-to-day basis. Oh, I'm excited already. You've been listening to the Rock Steady Way podcast, brought to you by Rock Steady Music School. You can find out more or just say hello at rocksteadymusicschool.com, where you'll find links to all of our socials. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to like or subscribe to get more content from Rock Steady Music School. From the classroom to the stage, the Rock Steady Way.